0: There's some chapters in Scripture that are just a setup for what's to come. That's probably a setup for what's to come. I will tell you this, we're going to knock this chapter out, but uh, I won't get to get on every verse. So just a a quick free lesson for you note takers. You don't pick on a bald man of God. Or the bears will get you. I don't think they were youth as in kids. So some of you were listening to that and you're like, oh, that's so horrible. Uh, Abraham was called a youth at 39, so uh, it just means younger man. All right, so he wasn't eating kids. It doesn't even say they were dead, it just says they were beat up, mauled. Uh, so maybe they just got scratched a little bit and, and whatnot. But either way, you don't pick on the bald man of God. So, very important lesson. You should write that down as number one. Make sure you get it, because the bald man of God will get you if not. What we got this morning is the changing of the guards. So uh, I've told you before, and if you've been here any amount of time, you know I can mess up just about any word. So Elijah and Elisha will be no different. Uh, I will mess them up. I will interchange them. And what I want you to know is this. And I got this from a wise man who just read. Um, The J comes before the S. So if you get these two mixed up when you're studying and when you're reading, know that Elijah came first and then there was Elisha. So just like in our alphabet, uh, the, the J came before the S and the Elijah came before the Elisha. So keep that in mind, just an easy way to to get it going. But we got the changing of the guards. Uh, And what we have going on here is a really special story because we've got a guy who wants more of God's blessing. And I wonder, you know, even as we're full this morning, how many people come into church and they may want more, but they're not willing to go get more. They're not even willing to ask for more. And God forbid, the big question is if you were willing to ask, And if God was willing to grant, would you be willing to even take it? Would you even know what to do with it if He gave it to you? Would you put it into practice? There's a whole lot of questions that come behind more questions. So as we jump into this thing and we see this, this guide and we see two groups of people in this thing, you got the school of prophets as far as the beginning, the main part where we'll stay. You got the school of prophets, which is a lot of guys, a lot of guys whose names aren't even mentioned. So it tells you God wasn't really happy with him. He doesn't even list their names. He doesn't tell you who they are. Nothing about them. They're recorded forever as failures because they didn't even seek more. They all they did was really try to distract Elijah from getting what Elijah uh, had. So then you got the, the opposite. And you got Elisha, which, which he wants that double blessing. He's hungry for what's going on. you know. So so you got a group that does single. Kind of think that it's like an ice cream scoop. Any of you like ice cream? Even on a cold day like this? Maybe you think an espresso, uh, for the day like this. How many of you want a single shot espresso? Yeah, you want a double, right? How many of you want a single scoop of ice cream? You want a double, right? Three of them sometimes. So God, I want a triple blessing. Bring it on, right? Good things come in threes. So, but here's what you got to understand. Somebody's got to want it. And then God uses that someone to spark it in somebody else. I watched it last night. Heather is always will never. We will never run out of food if Heather plans an event. Mr. Rudy cooks it. I've learned that. He even told me i it. He said better to have too much than not enough. I agree with you, especially when you got a bunch of Baptists to like me. You know what I'm saying? So so in that process, though, we we realized, or Heather realizes there's going to be extra. So she opens up the floor. Anybody who wants more, come on. And y'all tried to act like a bunch of good civilian like church going. Holy roller. People, so you sat there in your chair quietly until someone said, Joe, (laughs) Joe. And here was the thing. Now, y'all called Joe out because Joe is clearly the biggest. He's clearly the man. He's a stage setter. He can get it done. He's not here, so we're going to pick on him as much as I can on camera. Right? You know what I'm saying? So, so he will hear about it. But here's the thing. Here's what I learned. There was a group of people right behind Joe that started chanting, Joe, 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 Joe. And I was like, man, like, is he getting ready to, like, run down there and, you know, wrestle somebody? Like, what's about to happen? But I realized what happened. As soon as Joe was willing to go for his double portion, all the rest of you bums that was acting like you was holy and clean and you, you wasn't going to get enough, all the rest of y'all followed right in suit with your little plates. Oh, he can get it. You wanted somebody to start it. And you didn't want to be a starter. The set- <laughs> you set him up for your setup. I like you, right? Well, what if God has put a desire in you for that double portion so that you can inspire somebody else to go get a double portion? And I ain't just talking about chicken and ice cream anymore and espressos, Right. I'm talking about a double portion from the Lord, a blessing from God. Church, I don't think we understand sometimes, especially in today's day and time, we got to be stage setters. And the stage setter, I hope, don't need a crowd to chant. Go get extra when God's offering extra. Right. Because look at how many people got up and went after. You know, look, look at and in and, and the portions when they're given. Heather came over afterwards. She said, She said, Paxton really likes the, the desserts. He's had many of them. <laughs> and she says this, she said, I told him you could have whatever you want. He goes, Whatever I want. We get that excited about food, but church, do you understand? God has opened up his word, his promises up. and said, You can have whatever you want? Right? He's got all the blessings in here. Yet we we just whine when we don't get them, or, or, or we're not willing to go get them, or we're not willing to ask for them, or we're not willing. To, don't miss the little the little verse in there because I don't have it as a big point. But don't miss the verse where, where Elijah tells him he goes, "Look, you will get it if if there's an if." We don't always like them conditions, right? Huh? The, if you're there when I when I do pass, like if you if you finish this race, if you run. This thing, and if you follow where you're supposed to be, if you're obedient, here's the promises to follow with you, right? We gotta grab a hold of this, man. So here's, here's three keys. And I'm gonna pause and go back to chapter 19 so we can remember Elijah's, Elijah's very beginning, right? But here's the three keys where we'll be today. If you want a double portion, you gotta be willing to stay a little bit closer to some things you might not want to or some things you may want to. You gotta be willing to go a little bit further and you gotta be willing to warn it just a little bit more. Makes sense, right? Alright, first, go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. My brother Jeremiah didn't read it, but we, uh, I know you guys memorized it weeks ago when we went through it, so I just want to remind you just in case you didn't remember it. I think it's even on the screen yet. Yeah, there we go. So this is the first time Elisha comes on the scene. And it says, Elijah left there, and he found Elisha, the son of some guy I can't say, so there's no need for me to try it right. And he was plowing. 12 teams of oxen. Now, here's what you got to understand about this guy. 12 teams, y'all, y'all know what a team is? At least two. You can say three, you can say four, but we're going to go with the two. So we've got 24 oxen minimum. This is a wealthy guy. The reason I want you to understand this. Right? Oxen back in the day would be like cars. So he's got 24 cars sitting in the garage. Some collectors, some nice ones, some old ones probably that ain't worth quite as much. But, but he's got these things. Not only does he have these things. Keep on reading. So twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. So what else do we know right now? Twelve teams of those, at least twenty-four, and he's got, so therefore he's got at least eleven servants. Right? Safe to say, this is a wealthy, wealthy guy, right? With the oxen. Oh, hold on. Where have we go? Did I miss a verse? You're going faster than I agree. I'm a slow reader. I'm like, I'm like the handicapped version of smart people. Right? I've been to college, but I got a degree, but it didn't do me a whole lot. Right? Elijah walked by him. He threw his mantle. All right, there we go. So, so he's working in this field. This dude walks up beside him, who probably didn't know about because of the things that had gone on in he had Right? And he just throws this mantle on him, this, this cloak, which is symbolic of saying, you're going to be the next man. Right? Like. He doesn't have, notice, notice, one thing you gotta notice about Elijah. He's always like in the wilderness and crazy. That's why people thought he was like John the Baptist. He's not really a people person. He's not gonna like mingle around the tables at events. He, he's gonna call down fire from heaven, then he's gonna roll out like drop kind of guy. Right? So, 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 so he's, he's different. He's different because Elijah, he gets in with the people. He hangs out with him. He visits with him. So, two different kind of leaders here, right? But he just walks up, he drops this thing on, don't say that. He just, he just rolls out. What in the world? Like, you know, we would be asking what in the world's going on, right? But 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 here, here here's the only or I'm sorry here's the only promise he does say right please let me or um sorry Elijah says this to him please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you go on back he replied for what have I done to you keep on so he turned back from following him. he took the team of oxen and he slaughtered them it's over man you know how sold out you gotta be to get rid of all your there's no going back. That's what we got to understand. Like, he's getting rid of the thing that could have persuaded him to come back. They're done. He's slaughtering them. He's boiling them up. He's getting some some, some food going or or whatever, right? With the oxen's wooden yoke and the plow, he cooked the meat. He gave it to the people and they ate. Then he left and he followed and he served him. Church, sometimes we need to get rid of the thing that's been holding us back and just need to get rid of it. You know, what? one thing neat, you know, now when you study history or so, you guys may notice his name, Cortez, when he, when he first came and, and he got to the islands and all, he, he sent his men to burn down the ships. And they're wondering, like, what in the world, you know, what in the world are we about to do? Now, Cortez was horrible, did a lot of horrific things, but he was a great leader. You got, you got to believe that, right? They burn down the ships and, and he has this team meeting at the very end. You know, they're standing there watching their ships in the background burn down and he tells them there's no retreat now. We need some of that mentality in the church. We need some of that mentality in our relationships, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our child raising, that kind of thing. We need some of that mentality of there's no turning back. Like, I'm not going to let the things of my past and the things of my yesterday hold me back any longer, whether they were good or bad. Notice his stuff was good stuff, man. He was rich. He was profitable. He had it going on. He had Elisha farms that that he was going to be able to open and take over and run. But God said, that's not my plan for you. See, you can be really good at some stuff, but it's not God's plan for you. It's gonna fail. Or you're not gonna truly succeed. God says, my plan for you is to take over this, this blessing. This next thing. To, to, to go out and, and draw the people in. So, so church, understand this. Just, just transition us into this thing. If you carry the things of yesterday on your shoulder, you're gonna miss the double portion. If he would have brought all his yesterdays with him, if he would have kept a, a way to get back to his yesterdays, he would have missed the double portion. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter three. He says, I want us to, to forget the things which are behind us and I want us to look forward. Looking forward constantly. Now, yeah, you've got a rearview mirror and you glance back in it to make sure you got those side mirrors to, for safety just to make sure. But you don't drive that way. When you drive, you're looking through the windshield. It's right ahead and, and looking forward. Right. One way for us to fall quickly is when we look back. You ever seen like little kids when they go running, but they're so worried about what's behind them? Right. We, we got like seven of them in our house right now. Eight of them in our house right now. One, one can like roll. She can't she can't walk and run yet. So 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 seven actual running kids. Right. Which is great. And it's awesome. But but it's funny because, man, kids, kids do some funny things sometimes, but they're so distracted so easily. And they'll get distracted by what's in the back rooms, so but they'll come running down the hallway and run into the wall and tear down this thing and tear down that thing, and then they'll trip and fall on this and they fall all over the place. Us adults are just like that. We're so worried about some other stuff. Sometimes we get so distracted so easily. Sometimes by looking back, that we're going to fall. And if we do that spiritually speaking, guys, we're going to miss out on some awesome stuff that God's got for us. You want there, there's a quote you won't see here tomorrow as far as you live in your yesterday. And that's so true. So true, right? Don't allow one mistake. And I'm talking good and bad. Don't allow one mistake that you made 10 years ago to be controlling your today. And that's some of our problems sometimes. The, the, the world will use it against us, I promise you, right? So, so the very first, 1st well, kind of too many sermons in this thing, right? Y'all got out 10 minutes early last week, so you're good, right? You get an extra 15 or 20 today then, right? You got, it, you got in this thing two, two real lessons. And the first one is in the places. And I'm going to go through them quick because we've already looked at a lot of these places since we are going through Scripture in order, all these places we've seen. So they're just going to be kind of reminders. And then the second thing is in Elijah. All right. So, so here's the first place. First place Elijah visits with Elijah is Gilgal. Verse 1. So, so they go to this place. Here's what Gilgal is. You can write this down for your notes just to remind me. That's a place of testimony. You remember the very, the very first time Gilgal was mentioned for us as far as an in, in actual study study? Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. There's this place. They just had a great victory. So they go into the river. What do they do? Twelve stones. What do they do with the twelve stones? Man, they set up this monument, right? This testimony. This this reminding us of what God has done and what God's brought us through and and what we're able to get through as we get ready to cross over to the land of promise, right? So it's a place of testimony. It's a place of of celebration. It's, It's building that church building. Right. It's it's a place where God has come in and done some great things before. Another thing it is, it's a place of sanctification. Joshua chapter five, verse nine. I think that was on the screen for us. If not, just flip back four or five books and and you'll find it. Yahweh said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. man. what, what would you like not like to hear that from God? I've rolled away your disgrace. I've rolled away your past, your trash and all the stuff you weren't happy with. Right. Therefore, that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Now, he, here's what you got to understand what's going on. Because that verse sounds real good until we break down what's happening right here. and this may kind of psych and freak some of you out. and That's all right, God. He's in the business of psyching and freaking us out a lot. There's this great challenge to the nation. And the problem is they've been neglecting what to do. They've been neglecting what God has commanded them to do. And, and the sad part is some of them I don't even think knew what they were supposed to do because the teaching hadn't been passed along. So so there in itself, you get a a little mini lesson, right? Abraham had been instructed to circumcise all the male children. They had not been doing it. They they had failed. They had neglected this command. So so really what you got in here, if you break this thing down, one of the words at the very end there is the hill of foreskins. So now it's not sounding so pretty, is it? You're like, man, it sounded awesome, Pastor, until you talked about foreskins in church from the pulpit. Now everybody's real uncomfortable and kind of weird feeling and squirming in their seats. And that's my job to make you do that. So I succeeded, right? But, but you got this going and here's maybe the sad part for the people, like I just said, for the people that didn't even know they were supposed to do it, maybe there's a little lesson for us. We need to be passing on the right instructions for the next generation to learn and keep that going. That's, that's vital. That's, that's very important. You know, we're in a day and time now. Maybe as crazy as that sounds, God has allowed you to all become homeschool teachers to some degree for a little while so that you can do some teaching of the right stuff at your house, right? Now, I know some of you are ready to kick them out and there comes a the time for that, too. But even God promotes that. Right. But, but, but sometimes they just need some of that teaching. Right. There, there's too many Christians that are failing on the, and neglecting the word of God and following through on it. So God gets to this this stage of sanctification, which means this: there's going to be some things you've got to get rid of. There's going to be some things you got to cut and leave behind. Right. When the children of Israel were circumcised, they were then able to take possession of God's promises. You might not get God's promises because you haven't done what you're supposed to do to get that promise. Don't, don't just run around telling everybody. I hate when people use some verses out of context, man. You, know, you just run up to somebody you just saw on the street. and God's got great plans for you. Does he? Like, What do you know that God's got planned for that guy? What if God's plan for that guy is a sucky, a, a miserable, painful experience in life? Does he want to hear you say, God's got great plans for you? No, he probably wants to hear, God can pull you through that plan. God can pull you through that misery. Like, we live in a fallen world, and it sucks, brother. But you know what? We got a God who loves you so much, he wants to wrap his arms around you and help you get through all the sucky moments of life. He doesn't want to hear you say, God's got great and wonderful things. Let's not let's not sugarcoat and change what God says sometimes, okay? Because we do that. And when we do that, people get confused outside these walls when life doesn't sound so peachy like we try to make it out to be. You know what I'm saying? Like I wonder sometimes if... If all of us that have started just all these blessings and all this great stuff, it's not that God doesn't want to bless you. Don't miss it, okay? But you ever notice how all the disciples died? Now Some of you are thinking, all but one, Pastor John didn't die. You know why John didn't die that way? Because he survived the boiling. Have Have you thought about that part? Everybody's like, yeah, but that one guy didn't do it. What did he do right? He didn't do nothing right. He lived through pain better. He was boiled and survived it. Like, that, it boiled alive and survived. Like, that doesn't sound like God wants to build you a house on a hill and have rose petals and, and, and sandy dandelions running through it and whatever the heck those other flowers are. That You know what I'm saying? Like, get past all that, man. Huh? Man. So the journey begins with spiritual circumcision. Now, keep in mind, this is the man that's going to take on the double portion, the double blessing, right? So these are the things he's being reminded of as he goes to these cities. This first thing he's reminded of, spiritual circumcision, repentance has to happen, right? It has to start it. Now, another thing about this at Gilgal, we see see wholeness. If you remember later on in the the New Testament, the man at the pool of Bethesda, right? Restored by Jesus Christ. 38 years he's been in bondage. Took one second for him to be healed. How long are you going to let the devil keep you in bondage when Jesus can free you in a second? Right? All these things take place there, right? Now, now here's the warning I'll give you at the same place. This is why he's not allowed to stay there. Because you're wondering, man, that's a great place. Like, why couldn't it he stay? Here's why. Here's why. Because this is a warning. Gilgal's a place of religious activity when we get real about it. It's a place of religious activity. You know what I'm saying? Like you're building a monument. That's a religious activity. You're circumcising dudes. That's a religious activity. Kind of a weird religious activity, but it's there. Right? Luckily, we do that right after birth here, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Right? But it's religious activity. And God wants to know, are you going to stay where the religious activity is? are you going to want to press on to where the power is? See, some of us, we're great to just come to church, man. We put a smile on, it's wonderful, and we fill our lives with religious activity. But we're not willing to press on and get the, the extra blessing that comes, right? 2 Timothy three five the Bible says, Avoid all those who have the form of godliness, but deny the power of it. What's he saying? Avoid all those religious-looking people, and get close to some people that are living it out and being real. That you can see it in, that look different. They're set apart and you can tell, right? There's too many people in Gilgal that are engaged in religious activity with no power, practicing empty religion. Alright, there's your first thing. Second place he goes. I'll try to go through this. Well, this one is going to be quicker because you ought to know this one better, right? Next place he goes is Bethel. Verse 2. Or Bethel. Right? Depending on how American, how southern you are, that's how yeah, you can roll them out there, right? This means the house of God. It's a place of revelation. Very, very, very first time we, we see it in Genesis, right? It, it's a place of dreams. You remember Jacob's ladder? You remember Jacob wrestling with God? You, you remember Joseph? How he had those dreams. God wants his people to dream. Dreaming is a good thing. But he also wants you to wake up and act, react on the dream. If we just dream and we get up and tell people about the dream, and, and that's as far as it goes, we failed. We missed it. What good is a dream if you don't act to get it? So, so, something that uh, Owen said last night when he was he was speaking to us about some advice on marriage and all. You know, he asked, like, what, what's your bucket list? What's your plan and, and what's your vision? What's the things you want to do? How many of you got something you want to do you had not did yet? I mean, anything. I don't care. Some of you have some horrible lives if you're not raising your hand right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should die right now and just end it. You know, like, if you got nothing, nothing that you're aiming for, that's just don't. Don't take that literally, please. I could be wrong. I, I tell you, I'm going to say it like it is. It might not be right, but <laughs> guys, we need to have a vision and a dream and we need to chase the dream. What good is it to have one if you're not going to chase it? Huh? It won't make a difference in your life. So, so, so you got this place. It's also the place of major decisions, because when you wake up from a dream, you got to decide if I'm going to react on it, right? Think about Joseph when he woke up from his dream. He had to decide, am I going to tell the king? He might not like what I have to say. He he might not be happy with what I have to say, right? You got to decide when when, when, uh, a place where you wrestle with God, when he he wrestled with God in this place, it's a place where you yield yourself and you got to decide if I'm going to die to my own desire and I'm going to completely consecrate myself to the Lord. That's that place. That's that place. But, But if you get there, you can't stay there. Because if you get there and that's all you do, it ain't no good. You've got to do something after that. So again, he can't stay. Fourth, our Third place he goes, Jericho. Now, probably more of us in the church know about Jericho than any other place. At, at least one story, right? So I'll go with just that one story. It's a place of vision, but you better remember if it's a place of vision, it's also a place of war. It's a place of fighting. It's, it's a place of victory, sure. But you've got to be willing to take on the battle first, right? Go to Joshua chapter 6. Verse 2, it says that the nation of Israel, they took the victory that the Lord had brought to them. And, and it was made known. Why? Because of their obedience to God's command. If, if you go to Joshua chapter six and you skip back, think verse 15. But let me make sure I'm right. If you've been here any amount of time, you've heard me point this point out just because I think it's so, so vital and so important. We, we miss it all the time. Yeah. Joshua chapter six, verse 15. On the seventh day, they started down and they marched to the city. They marched around it seven times, the same way they had been doing it before, right? Notice the wall is still there. And they marched down to that city. That wall is still there. For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, there is this wall around the city. God commanded them They could take that city if they would just march around it. Like, you imagine your battle plan? Like, God rallies the troops in the huddle, and his battle plan is this. I want you to walk around it. And when you finish walking around it seven times on the seventh day, I want you to make a bunch of noise. I'd be like, God, I, I think you're missing the, the point, buddy. Like, or, now, now, I know history said that there was an earthquake that brought down the walls. But if a people walking around at that number of times is what caused an earthquake, God is cooler than I thought he was, right, to make that happen. So I'm cool with that, right? Anyway, so they march around this thing. Uh, 16 after the seventh time, the priests are blowing their trumpets, and, and all this stuff is going on. Here's what you got to understand. The wall is, what they see is a wall. But what they were commanded to do was cheer like a wall wasn't there. And because they are bold enough to look at the wall that they've been marching around and blow horns and cheer and go crazy. Science says there was some mysterious vibration in the air that shook the walls of Jericho and the ground and made it fall. (laughs) Science always has a cool explanation. I'm down with it. I like a lot of science. Science will prove the Lord sometimes, right? These these are just theories that are on the Internet. So you're going to Google this thing. I want you to know what happened, right? So anyway, they blow this church, they cheer, and then the walls fall. And then they get to go in in verse twenty. So the troops they shouted, and the trumpet. going. The uh, they heard a blast of the trumpet, that uh, gave a great uh, shout, and the wall collapsed. They advanced into the city. They took all their stuff. They captured what they were supposed to capture. They completely destroyed everything in the city. Verse twenty-one with the sword. Every man, every woman, every child, every ox, every sheep, every donkey. Da 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 da. They got it done. It's a place of victory, right? Obedience to God's command. Now here's here's three things from Jericho. They had to get their eyes off what they could see, their circumstances around them. If you're going to live off of a vision that's going to be successful through faith and courage and the practice of the word, you got to get your eyes off the things you see. They got past all the stuff they saw around them and were able to still cheer about it. Second thing, they were able to hear God's voice. Now you got to think about that. If this is a time of war, how loud do you think it was? I told you, I got, I got uh, seven and a half kids. One's real quiet still. Couple extra adults. You know how loud the house can be? Right? I mean, it's loud. Could you imagine thousands of people getting ready for war? It's loud. Yet they were able to hear God's voice, not the clamor of the war, not the enemy that I promised was sitting on top of that wall shouting chance at him!" right? They, they didn't hear the, their doubt in their own mind. See, sometimes you got to block out your own mind in order to hear what God's speaking. How much doubt did some of those guys might have had at the very beginning when they walked around? Him? How about the first day when they finished walking around? They were like, man, nothing happened. Like, what am I going to do? All it took was one guy, though, to say, you know what didn't happen is none of us died either, though. Oh, well, that's good. Let's try day two. And nobody dies again. So that, it was a little motivation to get you a long way, right? And, and here's something to obey the Lord's commands. Commands that might seem strange. God will command some strange things to get his stuff done, right? I mean, who would have planned this out this way? You got to follow God's commands. Though. All right. Fourth place it goes to the Jordan. Back to verse six. This is a place of perseverance. You got to cross the Jordan to get to your promises. Now I don't know about you, but sometimes crossing the— anybody ever crossed the river? We got now. I know you Bridalwood folks are like close to giving, but have you ever been in the river yet? You know what I'm saying? Like have y'all had some of that southern exposure? Felt the current during during the high tide? Well, high uh, high, not high tide, but high elevation of water from all the rain. Man, that river gets strong when the water is high, right? I mean, it's powerful. Sometimes the ground at the bottom isn't so nice to walk on. Sometimes there's there's holes you can't see. Sometimes there's drop. They just pulled out 12 boulders in this thing to make the monument. Sometimes you're gonna stomp a toe. I don't know about you guys, but that's the reason I pointed out I can't stand to stomp a toe. Man, you can punch me, you can you can gut hit me. Had a tire the other day, slap me in the mouth and in the gut, and it hurt a little bit, but I was good to go. You kicked my toe? Oh, it's on. Like I'm like the little baby that's gonna fall on the ground and why I don't like my toes messing with. You know what I'm saying? What if they would have stumped the toe while crossing the Jordan and said, you know what, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not walking across this thing if I gotta take a chance at stubbing toes. Right? What if the current got it? What if they were afraid of what they couldn't see the next step ahead of them? What if? When you get to the Jordan at your place of first meeting, you gotta persevere and follow through on all the things you've been learning. You've been consecrated to the Lord. You, you're hearing his commands. Now you're acting on those commands and, and it's going through, right? Joshua chapter four is where all that took place. I was just now talking about they crossed this Jordan. They entered the land of promise, promise of possessions. Now, the sad part is there's two and a half tribes. If you remember back to this, when we went through it, I don't know, probably years ago now, as slow as we move through scripture, but <laughs> the, the, there's two and a half tribes that are left on the other side because they say, I'm not crossing. They were afraid of stubborn toes. And because they were afraid of stubbing toes, they didn't get the promises and they stayed out of the God's perfect will for them. So they missed out on a lot of stuff, right? Here's the sad thing. There are too many people in church that's got this Ph.D. in Bible knowledge, yet they lack the power of God. We learn about this stuff, but we're afraid to practice this stuff. We think it's cool and we're like, oh man, if that could be me, it could be you. If you have the audacity to do it, right? Can you put yourself in the shoes of Elisha? Revisiting all these places and constantly thinking about how God moved at every single one of them. I guarantee he knew enough of the history to be reminded of every place they went. And he also was probably reminded, I'm reminded every time I look at it, of God's great patience with the people. I mean, look at all the cities and places he had to get them through before they get through. Right. Ask yourself this. Maybe write it down. Don't answer it out loud. Are we really in the full recipient status of all that God has for us? Are we really? Are we really have we really received the spiritual gifts he wants to give us? The blessings he has for us, the power that comes behind a relationship. Or are we staying distracted? Or we stay in doubt, or we stay in worry. Like Elijah, we gotta refuse to be distracted. Look, look at what's said in uh well it said three times. So verse three, I think is the first time it said As surely as the Lord lives, as you live, I will not leave you. That's his response. His, his response to every time, three times in the Bible, this phrase appears because three times, not only did the prophets try to get him to stay, the person he's following tried to get him to stay. Now That's kind of weird, isn't it? Three times Elijah himself says, man, why don't you stay in this spot? And some people are like, well, that's because that's he just like to be alone. Well, maybe. Or maybe he knew... That in order to get that double portion, he was going to have to make it to the end. So it was a test along the way. Sometimes you're going to get a test and you're going to have to decide if you're going to pass the test or not by following through on what God says and not what a man says. I gave my boy a test yesterday. I said, hey, man, I committed you to doing something before I knew your friends was going to be coming to stay with us. I said, so you got to, to sacrifice some play time. What decision you want to make? He goes, I want to play. I said, hold on, you ain't thinking about it straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me, let me give it to you again. So I gave it to him again, and there's like that that three minutes of silence. And I try to do like I do with the men in the upper room sometimes. Like, I, I was just scared at you until you decide to speak. But after three minutes, I'm like, son, you got to spit out an answer. I got, I, I'm a busy person. I got stuff going on. He says, oh, I still want to play. So finally, wise mama comes in and says, I think you're missing the lesson. But daddy's trying to teach you. He wants you to make the right decision. (laughs) Here's the cool thing, though. Makes the decision to do it. And he's awesome at it. And he loves it and had a good time doing it. Sometimes we just need people to test us and push us. For us to make the right decision to get where we need to get. And other people start talking about it, man. Look look at this thing. This is what's so cool. I love this. The prophets come out. They try to discourage you. What what are they telling him every time they discourage you? The enemy's going to discourage you with something you better know he's going to discourage you with. For for this guy, no, for this guy, it's death. He's like, man, you've been fighting. Now, we need to understand this. I, I missed this part and I apologize. So, so when you go from chapter 19, where we started this whole series or, or whole uh, sermon this morning, you got eight, which I believe, up to 13 years of time before chapter two. So that means he's been following this guy for thir- eight to 13 years. Seeing him do all this stuff. You ever followed somebody that long? You ever been with somebody that long? Not, not to somebody you want to choke out and get rid of, but I mean somebody you like being around. Somebody you're happy to be around, right? Somebody you chose to stay with, right? Could you imagine everybody coming up to you after, this is a person you like by the way, okay? So keep that in mind. Have you heard he's gonna die? Have you heard he's leaving? Notice the enemy coming to discourage you, man, in this time, right? They're, he's making these trips, which I believe is probably God inspiring him, to one, do a little check at each location he's been at, to two, tell us tell goodbye. He's a good leader. He's going to say goodbye to all the places he's been and, and did some ministry at, right? And he's going out. But at each of these places, they're coming up to this next guy, Elisha, and they're saying, man, you know he's going to die? You know it's over? Hey, you, I, bet, I bet someone were probably saying, you know what? You remember you slaughtered your cows and burned them all? you got nothing to go back to, man. When the enemy speaks to you like that, here, here's what you throw out, man. Look at verse 3. Here's what you throw out. Yeah, I know. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's you talk talking about wise words. Go ahead and be honest about it. Do, do you know the Lord is taking him away from you today? Yes, I do know. Go ahead and be honest about it. I know the facts. What, what else? I want you to shut up. You know how powerful it could be to just tell your enemy to shut up. Now, y'all don't go home and tell your spouse to shut up. Your spouse is not your enemy, all right. Your kids are not your enemy most of the time, all right. Some of the time they may be. Most of the time, right? You need to keep keep who your enemy is. And, and I'm I'm serious on that. If you think about it. Your enemy be the one you want to say shut up to, but in reality, the enemy's the one spurring the wind cycle of trouble and problem and confusion and argument. So you need to tell the enemy, the real enemy, to shut up. Satan, get behind me and be quiet. And then you need to block him out because when you put him behind you, he'll still talk. Y'all know about the church lady that bought the dress for the Valentine banquet, right? She, Oh, y'all didn't hear it. Okay, so she went down to buy this dress because it was going to be a nice time. They ain't been out in a long time. She puts this thing on and and she's looking fine, right? I mean, nice, real, like it's highlighting all the white spots and all that. She gets home and she's showing her husband. Her husband sees it and says, baby, I like it. But what made you think you can wear that to the church? She goes, because it makes me feel good. He said, baby, I think the devil was trying to tempt you. And she said, don't worry, honey. I said, get behind me, Satan. And he got back there and said, "Mm, "It looks good from back here, too, baby. When you tell the enemy to get behind you, you better tell him to be quiet. And if he ain't going to be quiet, you better keep on blocking the ears and blocking him out. You laugh about it, but you think how often it is that Satan will get in just a different position and attack you differently. Don't just laugh at the joke. Make sure you get the real lesson from it. okay? seriously, seriously. He told him, he goes, man, it's time for you to be quiet. Like you you don't need to keep doing that. People will often distract us from being passionate about our calling. Don't let a person distract you from your calling. Right. And, And here, if we want to get real about it, and I hope you're able to. The very people who are trying to help us can drain us of our spiritual passion. We don't like that. And that's kind of weird when we're talking Elijah and Elisha. But let's just be honest. The very person who's trying to help him spiritually is also taking a shot, a risk at draining him spiritually. Stay here. It's a cool place. Stay here. It's all right. I just need to go to this next place. You can stay here. You stay true to the command that God gave you and you follow through on that promises. As surely as the Lord lives, you will die and I will not leave you. I will be there to the end. Man, I mean, that ought to be some wedding vows right there. Right. It ain't so sexy and pretty, but it sure is accurate and uh, appropriate. Huh? All right. Let's look at this thing a little more. So now you got the places. Now, how do you get a double portion it? All right. What's the lessons from Elijah? Number one, gave it to you at the very beginning. You got to stay a little bit closer. Verse seven. You got to stay. You got to stay just a little bit closer than everyone else would say. saying says 50 men from the sons of the province came and stood observing at a what? Distance. Why is church folk so content to stay worshiping the Lord at a distance? You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I'm, a, I'm, I'm ashamed sometimes, to be quite honest, because I hear people talk about, man, I wish I could worship that way. Well, then do it. I wish I had something to shout about. Then do it. I wish I could make walls fall down. Then march around them. You know what I'm saying? I wish I had a marriage like that. You gotta ask that person how much work they put in to get it. That don't come natural. I wish my kids was as good as, not mine, but whoever, Any don't got, anybody got good kids right now? <laughs> I, I wish, I wish my kids turned out like that. Man, you had to put some work into it. You know what I'm saying? Like that didn't just happen. Kids are naturally bad. They're the fallen third angels that fell out, right? Keep it in mind. Huh? Hmm. Here's the thing, man. The names of of these guys, I told you at the beginning, they're not even mentioned. Who's given? Whose name is mentioned? Elijah. The difference. The difference. There was 50 people that were content following from afar. How often are we going to keep coming to church and be content following God from afar? Instead of getting close and checking things out. Right? They they were content with a relationship from a distance. You, Married people. All right. I'll make sure I'm promoting the right stuff here. Married people. Would you be alright being married from a distance? (laughs) My brother knows what I'm talking about! No! I was afraid somebody might have said a little word before to know to be honest, it was so scary, right? No! Why? Somebody honest, right? I'm with you, Alan. Everybody, the rest of the men in the room, amen, right? Me and Alan want to be intimate with our wife! I can't be intimate from a distance. So I'm not going to be satisfied with a long distance relationship. Now, now flip that. Spiritually speaking, what does God compare us to? Husband and wife. Now, it's a whole different kind of intimacy, okay? Yes. But don't you think God wants that closeness with us? Now, what happens when you do have a long distance relationship? Anybody ever been and tried a long distance relationship? I hope nobody's in one right now because the examples here are just really bad for you. Right? They fail most of the time, man. Why? Because you lose your passion. You lose your passion for something you're not close with a lot of times. Now, I'm not talking about a one week or two weeks. Man, after one or two weeks, you don't know how strong the passion is. I understand, right? My woman left me and went to Germany one time. She left me and went to Spain one time. I don't know. I'm not letting her leave anymore. But anyway, (laughs) you lose your passion. Another thing, the further you're away and the longer you're away, it produces some doubt. Right? Doubt of the other person's loyalty, doubt of your own loyalty, it produces fear, it produces worry. These are just real emotions that begin to take place, right? It's easy to find something else with something else sitting in front of you, right? Distance relationships aren't what they're meant to be, guys. And and neither should it be when we're talking about with Lord, right? Now, now we need to be honest also in verse 7. Not everyone wants the mantle. First thing I wrote down this week when I was checking it was this page right here. So you got all that, and I hadn't even gotten to my first note yet. Y'all in trouble, right? Not not every first note for the week. Not everyone wants the mantle, man. You got a school of prophets, which blows my mind. I don't know how you got a school of people studying and checking this stuff out, right? But they don't want the mantle. They just want the title. How, how many of us? How many of us? We we just want the title. How many of you? Now I'm proud. And we got a couple more I'm gonna do at the very end because I forgot them in the beginning. But but how many of us are joining the church because we want to be church members? We want the title, but we ain't going to volunteer when Heather needs to volunteer. We ain't got time for that. Right? <laughs> I just want to be a member. I want not be able to vote that one time a year. Your vote don't even matter. <laughs> I'll be a I mean, think about it. we a 100% kind of church. Your vote don't matter. Right? Your opinion matters. But understand. Understand the difference. Your opinion matters. Your influence matters. But your vote don't matter. I'm... I'm I hear people all the time, oh, I say I'm a member of the church so I can vote. What you gonna vote on that we ain't approved 100% yet? You're gonna cause us to sit and think. That's good. But don't, don't focus so much on the, on the vote and the, I can use the bill. Well great. We let people who ain't members use the bill. do you do? Right? Huh? We're so worried about title and position and all the stuff we can get. Man, forget all that junk. How about let's just live for the Lord. That's why, in all honesty, because I take Ben Chantel and Doug and stuff. That, that's why I forget sometimes about announcing stuff on members. Because I don't care about members. They send me, I'm, you laugh, I'm telling you right now. Brother can tell you right there, he's been in, in some of his, they send you this little form every year and ask you, is the church growing? How many new members you got? I ain't filled one out yet. I'm telling you, they're calling and ask you. Is the church struggling? Or are you having trouble? No, we booming dog. Like we run out of seats, out of bridal woods here. You know what I'm saying? We are gonna have to build the building across the street faster than we thought we was gonna have to do it, or knock some walls out. And I'm fine with it, right? But because here's why. Here's why. Very first year, you know, little boy six months old get thrown into being a pastor and all. So I'm all confused. They send me the very first one. I ain't. I'm feeling. What do you want this for? Oh, we like to keep track. Keep track of what? Numbers. Why? So we can write it down. <laughs> I ain't never filling one of these out, dog. I, I don't care. It's not about that to me. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It's like everybody asking on time, how many people are you baptized? I don't know. 20, 30, 50, 100? I don't count. You know what I do count? The ones I know I missed. Huh? Oh yeah. That's what it's about, man. We got, we got, man, we got to get our, our, our priorities in order. It ain't about titles. It ain't about positions. It's about a relationship with the Lord, right? The school of prophets is a group that were close enough to see the anointing, but they weren't close enough to wear the anointing. And I'm afraid we got believers coming into church or lack of believers or whatever, somewhat believers, halfway believers. And they come into church and they see people get anointed, but they don't want to get the anointing themselves because they're afraid of the difference that they make in their lives. Now, it took responsibility, man, right? These 50 people choosing to, to, to walk away, they're choosing to walk their own way ahead of David. Why? Because they wouldn't mind sitting on the throne like David, but they're not willing to fight a Goliath like David. Right. I mean, he had to weigh this out, man. There's not only the power and the blessing that's coming with this position. There's responsibility. There's headaches. Go ahead and get in ministry. Check it out. It's not all It's it's worth it, but it's not all greatness. We would be foolish to think so. And it shouldn't be. Here's the second thing. I'm going to stop that one early because I went longer than I should have. Number two, you got to go just a little bit farther. You got to go just a little bit further. Look back at verse six. It said, "And the two went on." You can visualize this story. I I love each of these little moments where he leaves the town, and, and, and Elijah says, "I'm going to follow you, man." Right? Because you got the old man, Elijah. You, you picture him walking. I know we don't get a lot of snow, but you picture him. Well, for us, it's mud. So if if, if you're a Yankee, then Jeremiah, any other Yankees want to be confessing? Why you too? Oh man, right. <laughs> If you've seen snow, you remember like when your kids follow you in the snow, walk in my tracks. Right. For us, it's it's in the mud. Right. You tell your boy, hey, put on your boots, walk where I walk so you don't fall and bust your buttons. The mood's slippery. Right. Mud slippery. Right. The mud being slippery will make the mood slippery. So that works good, too. Right. This is what you got. There. You got you got you got a young man following the older man by putting his feet in the same holes. The next guy's going in. So you got all kind of lessons here. You got one older, older members of the faith. You better make sure you walk in a walk that they can follow. Hmm? Cause what if they not walk in the walk that you walk in? Because you were walking the wrong walk. Right? Or what if they do walk the walk you were walking and you were walking the wrong walk and now that you look at them and you're like, why are you doing this? Because I saw you do it. Because I heard you say it. Because I watched you. Right? You remember though, I don't even know the name of, oh, what's the country song? Where, where, where the guy spills his fries and he puts a little four little word out and a little bit later, he, he, he walks in his little boys playing. Yeah, he like, I've been watching you, dad. That's it, man. Can you be that kind of dad? I mean, even in that song, you can you can sense like that dad at the beginning is like, dang it. He did not hear me say it. Right. Right. But 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 then at the end, he's like, oh, I made up. Right. Make up for it when they do follow the wrong thing. Show them where your wrong steps were. So sometimes that's a powerful lesson, guys. Now, I'm not telling you to tell them everything, but it wouldn't hurt you to tell your kids some things so they can learn from them. Son, look, I walked this path, right? I've done this stupid thing. OK, this is where you need to stay away from. I'll touch it. Show them the scars so that they don't have to get their own. And let them get some scars, too. Right. Just just check some balance which ones it is, guys. All right? They go just a, a little bit further, one step behind them, like like a kid in the, in the snow tracks. And here we go. You can't stop too soon. That's that's a big lesson in this part when we when we get to to this going a little bit further, because at every stop he's asked, do you want to stay here? Do you want to stay here? What what if what if you had stayed somewhere too early? What would you have missed out on that was coming later? What job were you were you not supposed to stay at that you stayed at? And you're thinking right now, damn, I wouldn't have had to spend the last 25 years here if I would have just took a step and went a little bit further, if I would have just moved just a little bit of distance, right? You can't stop at Jericho. You can't stop at Bethel. Bethel, you can't stop at Jordan. You, you can't stop at Gil. None of those places. Because none of those places is where the double portion happens. you got to cross over the Jordan, right? And, and get there. Even through the, the distraction and the discouragement and, and all that stuff. you got to stay strong to your word saying, I'm going all the way. Whatever your all the way is. And, he, and here, here's what I love. Elijah could stay the course. Because Elijah wasn't really following a man. He's following God. We need to make sure we grab that. It's easy to look at this and, and think, you know, he's following, he's following God and anointing. Anointing isn't cheap, man. The power of God has a price, right? Just because you say you want to have an anointing, that ain't going to be enough if you don't go the extra miles to get it. you got to walk the miles. you got to burn the past. you got to get rid of all that stuff. you got to keep moving just a little bit further. Well, he didn't. Funny thing is he didn't even know the whole route. He just knew he had to keep going to the end. You don't know the whole route. I hope you realize that some of you think you know the route, but you don't know the route. You have no idea what God's got planned for you next. Right. But you got to go just a little bit further. Be willing to take the step. The last thing. you got to want it just a little bit more. you got to want it just a little bit more. Look at nine and ten. When they crossed over, Elijah said, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you what what do you think he was thinking the guy was going to respond with I'm just wondering like you know you're walking with this dude who's been following you for like eight years of ministry, maybe 13, whatever I don't care which one right and you say, hey, before I die, what's something I can do for you now you know so I just got called down fire from heaven so you know like you could ask for like anything well, I want my 24 oxen back Well <laughs> well I mean what what was what was the options that he could have had anything right? But he doesn't ask for any of that. He answers, please let my inheritance be two shares of your spirit. I want the double portion. Now that goes back to the birthright, okay? So y'all make sure he's not, he's not just saying, I want twice of everything you got. He's saying, I want the acceptance, the birthright on me of I am the next one in line to take this thing. So it's more than just stuff. It's position, approval, declaration, all that piled in to this word right here, right? And he says this, you, you can, you can read the scriptures and you can find all you want and you can do this and you can all that, that. What I love about Elijah is he's going after that double portion. Do you open your Bible to find the double portion? Are you happy with just like one little neat thing? I think sometimes, you know why we like a lot of TV and YouTube and, 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 and prosperity gospel stuff? Cause they got little catchy phrases and you'll take that one phrase and that's what you'll run with forever. Where'd that one phrase come from? I don't remember what he was preaching on. I never heard him say a verse. Right? And you laugh, but I'm telling you that's so true, man. My, my cousin and I, we had to talk one time. He's part of a, a real big church. And they would read scripture kind of like we do at the very beginning. God would preach and he would preach awesome. But he never used a verse the whole time he preached. I'm talking, you didn't go back to the verse that was read. There was no new verse added. He was just speaking. And I was like, well, what's the dude speaking on? <laughs> you know, where, where's he grabbing this this stuff from? I don't know. Maybe we should think about that, right? Each step was a reminder in the test to get there. It was only when he had stood the test. Understand, he had to make it to the end. Only when he had stood the test of unwavering revolution, resolution sorry that Elijah was able to give him the big invitation. You've got to stand the test so that God can give you the invitation, right? And then when he gives you the invitation, make sure you're smart enough to ask for the right thing. Now, notice, man, he doesn't ask for wealth or position or power. Or he says, I, I just want to double anointing. I want, I want a double spirit of what you've got. You won't become a double portion Christian on accident, guys. Now, I, sometimes I think y'all think anointing's like a, like a, you catch it like a cold. Right? You ain't gonna catch anointing like a cold. You understand that? By hanging around, it ain't COVID. Alright? You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna catch it because you get close to it or something like that, right? You gotta get a part of it. You gotta want it. You gotta desire it. You gotta seek it out. And you gotta pursue it. Now, now that it comes by being close to it, You catch a little bit of flame from somebody, but then you've got to keep your flame blowing on your own, right? Keep that in mind now, right? Take the first step. Activate the power of God. That's really what the Lord says. You ever think about when you study what God says? If you'll take a step, I'll take a step towards you, right? Except for the difference is if you just take one step, I think the Lord takes like 50 million steps. He's like, I'm just waiting on you to take the one. Like he's He's in his blocks like a good racer, and he's getting ready to just break forward. If you just take that one step. Right, so we always like got to meet you halfway. I ain't never had to go halfway. You know what I'm saying? I've never had to go halfway. Like, like I, I take a couple steps and the Lord, boom! Like he, he's doing something instantly. It's awesome, right? God doesn't need your ability as much as he needs your availability. Now, now, now think on this since it's Super Bowl Sunday. You know I got to give a quarterback football illustration, right? Sorry, one more week of it, and that's it. My team didn't make it nowhere, so I got to ride on the coattails of other people, All right. It's been 20 years since we've been to a Super Bowl. It's all right. There's a quarterback for the University of Alabama, and uh, uh, Coach Bear was trying to run out the clock. So this is years ago since so Coach Bear, right? He's trying to run out the clock, so he tells us, this quarterback, he goes, you're not going to throw the ball, you're taking me. Well, he watches, and this wide receiver is, like, wide open at the beginning of the play. So he drops back, and he launches it. As soon as he launches it, a safety from the other side that he didn't see sprints over, catches the ball, he's the fastest man on the field, he's running down the sideline. The quarterback, who, who's like a Tom Brady, he's not fast, but he wants to make people happy. He sprints and tackles this guy. And the, the people are just going crazy. The announcer is going crazy and all this stuff. And, and, and the announcer comes up at the end, and he's talking to Coach Bear. And, and he says this right here. He says, how in the world was your quarterback, really I think he's saying how was your slow player, able to catch that quarterback? How was your slow player able to catch this fast player? Here's what, here's what Coach Bear responds with. That boy who caught that interception, he was running for a touchdown. My boy who was running after him, he was running from his life because if he didn't catch him, I was gonna kill him. <laughs> you notice the difference? Sometimes we just need to be available. <laughs> Verse thirteen. He also took up the mantle of Elijah had fallen from him. This is where you truly get this this inheritance, right? Because notice what happens. I need to make sure we grab this, just this picture before we finish out. This mantle didn't fall. People looking like it falls on heaven from him and lands on him. No, it doesn't. It falls on the ground. He had to choose to pick it up. He had to choose to pick it up. And there's 50 other people. Remember, from a distance, they had the choice to go over there and pick it up. But Elijah chose to go over to pick it up to 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 wear it. The pressure, the responsibility to take it all, right? And in verse 14, here's where it goes even further. He took the mantle, to Elijah, and dropped me. He, he struck the water with it. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He asked. He struck the water himself, and it parted to the right and to the left, and crossed over. He gets right to work, man. He gets right. When you get a blessing from the Lord, when you pick up your mantle, you get right to work. You don't. You don't take time living in the past. You don't take time celebrating this. He don't even take time mourning over anything, right? He gets right to work because he's willing to pick up this thing and go after it. He's willing to, to to chase this dream, and, and, and this this anointing, God. It, it's not like a like a temporary thing. Here's the warning. I guess I'll give this not in scripture. Don't pick up the mantle unless you're willing to wear it and keep it on. God's not looking for weekend warriors. He's not. He yeah, there's churches full of them all the time, right? He's looking for sold out soldiers that are going to be. He's not looking for people who treat him like a shower. He cut it on and off. He's looking for people that want to be anointed and never take it off, and, and run the race. The the real question I I put here, now now I gotta go back and and give him credit, but I I put the first time, the real question is not where's Jehovah, not 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 where's the God of Elijah, but where are the men and women that are gonna put their trust and their hope in Him and stand up against this evil world? Right? But then at the same time, I I gotta give him credit because he asked the right question. Where is Yahweh? Not not where, you know, you notice what the people were doing, you remember after uh, Jeremiah read for us, what does it say? The people were asking what? Where's Elijah? Can we go find him? Let's send out a search party. And he's like, no, that's we well, gonna send out a search party for a dead man? It, it, it don't work that way. Yeah, but maybe like they, they the, the whirlwind took him away and he and he landed somewhere else. And can we please go find him? No! Can we please just go find him? Like he, you ever like kids that just keep asking? And finally, what do you say? You know, if you me, you, slap him and tell him I told you once, boy. Right? No. But but eventually, if it's something you can teach the lesson, what do you say? Fine, go on. waste your time. They go out, they spend three days, who knows how much money, who knows how much resources, and they come back and what do they tell him? He's really gone. Duh, I told you that a long time ago. You know my favorite, not to pick on anybody in the room, but my favorite is when some of y'all ask me something and I give you something and you'd be like, ah, I don't know if that's exactly what I was looking for. So like you do your own thing and then not usually three days later, but like a week, month, year later, you'd be like, hey man, you remember that one time you told me dot, dot, dot? You was right. I don't say it then, but secretly behind closed doors, I go and laugh at you. Like, I'm just telling you, like it is, right? This is honest. I won't laugh at your face because I love you and I care, right? But but in all honesty, like, I'm like, yeah, God, we got him, right? <laughs> we showed him what's up. No, huh? That, that's it, man. He asked the right question. It's not, not where is a man. Because he knew this. He knew this. The anointing of God, the presence of God, it rested on God, not on a man. He, he didn't need a, a man to follow through on this. He expected God to show up in God to do it. And he expected God to do the same thing he had been doing through Elijah's, Elijah's ministry, right? Maybe he was asking, where's the God who kept Elijah faithful when a whole nation turned against him? He's getting ready to endure that, right? Where, where, is, where is the God that, that mightily answered the prayer of Elijah when he called down fire and took on prophets? He's going to need that. Where's the God that provided a miraculous for Elijah? He's going to need that. Where's the God who raised the dead through Elijah? He's going to need that. Where's the God who answers prayer by sending fire? Now, remember, where's the God who encouraged and discouraged the other prophets? Where's the God who carried Elijah away into heaven? And he touches this water and it's divided and everybody sees all oh, the power really is resting on this guy like it is. It is official. It is real. Second Chronicles, chapter 16. Paul is, is talking to the Athenian philosophers and, and he, I'm sorry, in Acts. He quotes 2, Chron- 2 Chronicles chapter 13, 16. That'd be weird if he was back then, right? I want to talk to you about the true God, For in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. He is wanting to help you, wanting to tr- uh, fully trust in Him, to walk in His ways. For the eyes of the Lord go throughout the entire world to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward Him. That's what God's looking for. Some hearts that are on fire for Him. Right? I think God can still part orders today. I do. I think a lot of us waste our, our time, and it's about time we just get to business. We've wasted our time looking for what we're missing, and God's telling you, like, the blessing is right there in front of you, right? So, so so go back to the very beginning. I'm, I'm going to wrap this thing up with this right here. Too many Christians should be on the front lines that are still in basic training. You, you, you go back right now to this, this chapter 19 of, of First Kings, and you look at what's going on, and, and people are probably seeing potential, right? Potential is a lot like a seed. You can have a lot of potential, but if you don't plan, it, it, don't do nothing. I know, man, you laugh. I'm telling you, I know so many people, they got so much potential, but they're not willing to plant it. And they miss out on what it could be producing. Now, seeds don't go in the ground to die. I hope we realize that. A farmer puts a seed in the ground to multiply, right? It's a whole different kind of whole different kind of thing right here. And until that seed is sacrificed and put in the ground, you'll never know the potential. So really you could say it this way, you're not going to get your potential unless you're willing to go through the process. What's the process? Sometimes it's getting buried. Sometimes it's going through some stuff you'd rather pray against. Sometimes it's asking the Lord to, to take, take something away, right? Chapter 19, He's working the ground. I just, I just love the, the illustration that we get because I think God is trying to plant a seed in His life at that very moment. And He answers so correctly. I wonder how many of us, we get put into some tests, whether it's burning our oxen in our past or or going into these cities and staying or not staying. And and we've been playing against the discomfort. And God's saying, i got to put you in the discomfort to see and make you and create you and plant you and and grow you into who I want you to be. Seven to eight years. That part blows my mind. The 13, if if that's true. I don't know what it is, right? So seven to 13 years, whatever. Some of us wouldn't last seven or eight days, right? So, So let's just be honest about it. But Elijah waited. Elijah waited. He wanted his potential to be proven, and he did it. Nothing's wasted in this because God's in it, right? In the end, he's operating it in a double portion, literally. Miracles start in the same chapter. Parting water, going back and correcting water that was corrupted from, from, from way back when, which we can go into, right? He's getting all this done. He's even calling on bears to take on 42 young men that, that want to you know, come out against him, right? What would have happened if there wasn't a guy like this to take on the, the job? What would have happened if there was no Elisha and you would have just had like all these these 50 prophets that weren't even bold enough to ask for more? What would happen? You know, it was 400 years before John the Baptist was able to break the silence. 400 years. That means nobody after Elisha, in my opinion, picked up the mantle and took it. But 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 Elijah, he picked up the mantle. So, so awesome. I don't want to jump the gun since we got many chapters to get there. But, but look at this chapter. I think it's 2 Kings 13. Do we put it up there? Yeah, here we go. 2 Kings 13. Elijah finally gets to the end of his life, right? His time comes, his time is done. It says he died and he's buried. He's died and he's buried. And there's this, this band of Moabites that used to come into the land in the spring of the year. Once, once the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw this, this band and they threw the man into Elijah's tomb as well. I imagine I I don't want to infer too much, but I imagine if they threw a man in the tomb as well, they assumed the man was dead. Is that safe to to infer? Because then it says when he touched Elijah's bones. The man was revived and stood up. Now, some people I know you're thinking, well, he was probably alive and they just didn't know it. You know, they didn't know what a concussion was. And that's fine. Well, the brother was in a coma. And when the bones touch him, it woke up from a coma. I don't care what the miracle was. It's still a miracle, right? But can you imagine everybody's visual response when the dude you threw in the grave comes walking out the grave? Here's what's even neater. Now, I know numbers aren't everything, and, and I don't even believe these numbers are, are the exact numbers that oh, that was done, okay? But when you, when you check out Scripture, in Elijah's life, he had done eight miracles that we have recorded. He had done 15 miracles while he was alive. He dies. He's got so much anointing on his bones that this other miracle comes, which is... Okay, now, if we don't know 15 plus 1, I think Dax could answer that, right? You know what I'm saying? 15 plus 1 is? 8 times 2 is? Some of y'all need to homeschool yourselves. You know what I mean? Y'all are slow on that. Wow. Notice, you will not use English ever in life, but you... Sorry, English teachers. But you will use (laughs) math... You will use math forever, okay? 16. It's a double portion. Right? Literally. That's awesome, isn't it? Scripture's full of it. Scripture's full of it. Do you have so much anointing? Because here, here's the thing we got to remember as believers, guys. We got to have so much anointing that we're passing it on to the next ones. If you got enough for just you, you're really failing. I hope you understand that. Because if you don't have enough to pass it on, to the next one. What's going to happen when these guys are filling up the church? What did you notice all the kids when they got up and left? It looked like half the church rolled out. Brightwood was cheering about it because they all got real seats now instead of this awkward bench, right? And they were all excited. But could you imagine if that generation, if we don't have enough blessing to pass on to them, if we don't have enough teaching to train them upright? Huh? You got to have more than what you think you got. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. God, I love this chapter. I love, Lord God, knowing that this chapter is really just a setup for so many chapters to come with the lives of Lord God and how you're going to use him and, and work through him, God. But I pray this morning, Lord God, that you talk to us. Remind us of the places, Lord God, that you bless. Remind us of the areas we need to overcome. Remind us of the lessons, Lord God, that we need to get from each of them. And God, please help us not to stay there. God, give us the courage to move forward, to keep on going, Lord God. God, when we're tempted, Lord God, help us to look back and just tell them, be quiet, man. I don't want to hear it. I'm following the Lord and the Lord only. God, give us the courage to take the next step, to go a little further, to want a little more. God, God, deepen our desire for you. God, give us a a connection where we want to, we're like that little annoying kid, Lord God, that just wants to follow you around and be so close to you. God, we're, we're like waiting at the end of the bathroom door, Lord God. When you, when, I don't even know if you go to the bathroom, so this prayer just got really weird, Lord, but but I love you, God. I'm, I'm just excited, God, about what you can do in our lives, Lord, and, and how we need to be responding to you. God, I pray that you really do move in that mighty way, God, that you really do use these words to mold and shape your people, Lord God, into becoming better servants. God, help us to, to keep gaining so that we can pass it on to the next generation. In your great name we pray, amen. amen.